The target breach and other retail point of sale attacks have raised public awareness about magnetic stripe payments and have pushed consumer support for a swift migration to chip cards that conform to the so-called EMV standard. But payments experts say EMV is not going to solve all of the U.S.'s card fraud problems. In fact, EMV would not have even prevented the card breach that impacted Target because of the way that the attack was waged. And with dramatic increases over the last five or so years in e-commerce transactions, explains Patrick Davey, who's the general manager of the card risk business at electronics payments provider and core banking provider Fiserv, we should all be bracing now for a rapid migration of fraud toward internet transactions and away from traditional point of sale transactions. Patrick, can you give us some background about how e-commerce transactions have really grown over the course of the last, I'd say five to seven years, and how do e-commerce transactions compare from a volume perspective when we look at those in the traditional point of sale environment? Sure, I can talk a bit about where it's trending. Sure. Um, I don't have a great insight into you know five years ago or so and where it was, but clearly I've uh, seen some estimates that put the uh, e-commerce sales growing by close to 200 billion over the next few years. Several hundred billion is a huge, huge number. And I think a lot of that's just due to the fact that consumer habits, buying habits are, are changing. Uh, obviously, the introduction of mobile devices, those types of things have really changed where and how consumers do their shopping. And that's just going to continue to increase over time. And so then, Patrick, from an EMV perspective, if we're already seeing a lot of these transactions migrate to the e-commerce channel, whether we have EMV or not, how would EMV then help to push that migration of fraud? How will it impact online fraud? Sure. So we can take take our cues in terms of how we need to view uh, EMV's impact on the market from portions of the world that have migrated to EMV. So, you know, if you look at the UK or uh, various parts of the EU or even Canada, when EMV uh, was fully implemented and adopted in those markets, very, very closely aligned with the introduction of EMV was a pretty material increase in fraud, and, and specifically card not present fraud. What that really tells us is that fraudsters are always going to look for the soft spot. If you can picture in your mind a balloon, if the balloon is fraud, the totality of fraud, if you press on the balloon on one side, it expands elsewhere, and that's really what we're going to be seeing and what we have seen in countries that have adopted EMV. Uh, they've looked for the next easiest way to commit crime, and card not present is where they're the most successful. But Patrick, wouldn't you say that even if we didn't have this migration to EMV that has, is really being pushed here in the U.S., and we didn't even have these examples from other markets to look to, don't you think that we would see a migration of fraud to the online channel just because that's where consumers are now going more often? Absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. It's really those two things. It's the introduction of EMP, which we need to do here in the U.S. market, and, and when we do, it'll, it'll do a great job in, in stopping most forms of card present fraud. So I think it is, you're right, it's the combination of the move to EMV as well as just the huge projected growth in terms of uh, e-commerce online transactions. So as far as protecting the e-commerce environment, what types of security measures are out there to help prevent some of the fraud that we're seeing? And I guess I'm asking, you know, is it stronger user authentication or is it something else? Sure. There are a couple of things that have been mentioned or, or people talk about these particular things uh, as it relates to combating card not present fraud. 3D Secure has been around for several years now. The adoption I don't think has been as as aggressive as everyone 
uh, had hoped. And I think, you know, the, I think we're going to see adoption starting to grow a bit in that space, but 3D Secure is, is a bit more intrusive, requires a bit more from the cardholder. So anytime that there's friction, um, you're, you're not going to see the gains in terms of adoption that you'd like. That's certainly one. Another would be um, the tokenization. There's the, uh, a good deal of discussion among the networks as well as institutions, financial institutions, and issuer providers like Fiserv who are engaging and trying to understand what the form of tokenization will be that could help uh, mitigate card non-present fraud or e-commerce fraud. But again, that's still uh, there's still a lot to be learned, a lot to be understood uh, around how tokens will be deployed and the impact that they'll have. The the other uh, that gets I think a little bit less notice uh, because it's maybe it's it's not as exciting to think about are uh, just more robust rules, custom written rules that institutions can deploy today to to combat card not present fraud. And that's really where my organization places a lot of focus because we know 3D Secure is in the market. It's been in the market. We obviously offer it and encourage our issuers to embrace it and their cardholders as well. And tokenization is not here today and probably won't be here in force for several years. So we've got to do something today. And that's really where my organization has been focused. Patrick, quickly, what is 3D Secure? Can you explain how it works? Yeah, sure. Effectively, an issuer will notify its cardholders, and many times they do this through their online banking site. Uh, oftentimes there are marketing campaigns that notify the cardholders that they can sign up for this particular offering, and the cardholder then provides certain information uh, to the institution, the institution that shares that with the network, and then for every transaction then, the cardholder who has been enrolled has the ability or their, their transaction goes through an extra authentication step. But again, because it requires the cardholder to take a couple of extra steps to enroll, the adoption hasn't been what we'd hoped for. And that goes back to a lot of the customer education pieces that we've talked about. That's absolutely true. Now there is a, another method that I think is, will become a much broader and much more acceptance down the road where the cardholder is involved and the friction to get them involved is, is relatively low uh, and they can stay involved, actively involved. And it's what we in the industry call cardholder controls. Uh, and effectively what that is, is where an, an institution offers through a mobility app or through their online banking application a tool that allows the cardholder to effectively create controls which say a transaction that looks like this is not something that I have will or have done. Therefore, when you see it, institution, you can consider it fraud. So really what it does is it allows the, the cardholder to be actively engaged as part of the fraud fighting team. And that's absolutely something that we're encouraging our clients to embrace moving forward. You know, Patrick, when it comes to the EMV world, card issuers have to issue cards that are EMV compliant and retailers have to be able to accept those cards. When it comes to the e-commerce environment, things are a little bit different. I mean, aren't some of the fraud concerns that we see facing e-commerce transactions really an e-commerce retailer issue rather than a banking institution issue? That's a perspective that, that's been out there for quite some time because the institutions aren't on the hook for card not present e-commerce fraud, the retailer is. However, um, I've seen, I've talked to many institutions who say, while that may be the case, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not on the hook for the losses. My cardholders are impacted, and I still, through the dispute process, am bearing costs associated with the cardholder contacting me, the, the issuer, and saying, you know, this was not a transaction that I authorized. And so some institutions have, that I've uh, spoken with have said, you know what, we're really going to take the issue around card not present fraud 
and we're going to take a strong position on it uh, in the market because we think it can be a competitive differentiator for us with our cardholders uh, to, to be able to stand up and say, we're protecting you for every transaction. Because at the end of the day, the cardholder doesn't really care who's on the hook. They just want to be able to, to continue to shop and not worry about their, their transactions being denied or having to deal with a sometimes a, an onerous process around disputes. That's probably the more forward-thinking banking institutions that are trying to get out ahead by not having to adversely impact their cardholders in any way. You're right. That tends to be a more forward-looking perspective. It tends to be the larger institutions. The, the community banks and credit unions that I've spoken with, I think, aspire to that, but uh, many of them have not, I guess, embraced it fully yet. They understand that it that's an important thing for them to try to evaluate. And if they can balance the costs versus the benefits of, of investing in a, maybe a little bit higher uh, powered risk management solution, then I think they would embrace it. Uh, actually, the, the institutions that I spoke with have a much more of an international reach as well than just a, a U.S. base. So these tend to be larger institutions. But they absolutely believe it is going to be a competitive differentiator in the market. Online fraud is something that would be adversely affecting banking institutions, whether they're in the U.S. or in the EU. Is there an element to chip cards that would help to address online fraud or help to strengthen authentication even when it comes to e-commerce transactions? I don't know a lot about that particular angle. I do know that the networks have uh, talked about a program they call Chip Authentication Program, and it, it does leverage they believe it will leverage the investments associated with EMV, but I, I don't feel comfortable talking in, in any depth around whether that's a viable solution. And as we look forward then, Patrick, over the course of the next 18 to 24 months, a number of institutions have said that they are planning to initiate their rollouts to EMV. Of course, a lot of them have already done this on the credit side, and we see more and more doing this on the debit side. What would be your final three words of advice to them as they make these migrations in looking toward this migration of fraud to the online channel? First, make sure that you you know, you know are moving forward with EMV. Uh, that's an important first step in combating the, the fraud that we're seeing in the United States. Second is make sure that as you do that, you're, you are working with your internal risk teams or with you know, your chosen uh, risk management vendor to ensure that the rules and the techniques and the strategies that are most effective to combat card not present fraud are in fact deployed. And it typically tends to be multiple fairly complex rule sets that can be best deployed on top of your neural scoring. Those would really, I think, be the most important things that an institution really needs to be aware of. Patrick, I'd like to thank you again for your time this afternoon. My pleasure. Again, we've just heard from Patrick Davey of Fiserv. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.